as you guys may have heard uh, from the announcements, next Saturday night is a pretty special night for a lot of us here. Um, how many of you guys, just by a quick show of hands, are planning to get baptized next week? Yep, there's, uh, there's quite a few people who have been anticipating this opportunity to uh, um, demonstrate their faith through water baptism, and we're going to talk about that a little bit next week and, and um, just see how it affects our lives and how it affects the things that God's doing here. Would you pray with me real quick? Lord, tonight we, uh, we come to you because we recognize that you really are the, you're the answer to the questions of our hearts. You're the answer to the questions that we wrestle with. And God, sometimes those answers, um, they're not really clear. Sometimes we struggle in our faith and we struggle to know what to do and we struggle to know how to decide certain things God, we need you to come to us in our simplicity and help us. We just want to know you. We just want to follow you. We just want to learn of you. We just want to love you. Amen. We've been talking about this crazy concept of what happens to a person when they encounter God. When somebody encounters God, and it happens in all kinds of different ways, the result of that encounter at the heart of the matter for God is that he wants us to learn how to follow him. He wants us to learn how to be a disciple of him. He wants us to learn how to be a student or a pupil of Jesus, to learn how to live life in his shadow, in his steps, following his ways. And more than just going through the rituals or going through the behavior modification that we think it's all about, he wants to actually change us from the inside out. Last week, we talked about what this outside change looks like. And the Bible uses the word fruit to describe that. The Bible literally paints a picture for us that when we connect to Jesus, when we attach ourselves to him and recognize that all of the striving and all of the hard work does not change anything, in our lives or about our lives, but it, what does change is when we connect ourselves to him, his life begins to pump through us and it brings life everywhere that it goes. Matter of fact, in the book of Galatians, we found last week that there's a scripture that says that when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, then he will produce this kind of fruit in us. And there's a list of incredible things that if I were to ask you, you would all say, I want some more of that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what happens naturally to the life of a person that connects themselves to God. But see, you and I have a little problem with this whole thing because it sounds really good for me to sit up here and to espouse these things and for me to sit up here and to, to kind of generalize it or to kind of scratch the surface. We have a problem and that problem is that you and I think in terms of the more effort I put into something, the greater the reward, right? That's the way our jobs work. If you want a pay raise, if you want a promotion, you have to work harder. You have to put in more effort. You have to try. You have to show initiative, and you have to do all these things. But the thing about following Christ, the thing that is so crazy, that is so upside down, is that everything about following Jesus is about focused surrender. It's about laying down. It's about giving up. 
It's completely opposite of the way that you and I not only are naturally inclined to think, but the way that we're programmed to think by our society and by everything else in our life. We are taught by the books that we read. If you want a better life, you have to do what? Help yourself. And so we read health, self-help books by the droves. We read how to communicate better, which I'm all for. I'm all for learning skills. I'm all for bettering ourselves and, and using what we've been given. But at the core is the problem. The core is we truly believe that the harder we work, the greater the reward. And that naturally goes right into our relationship with Jesus. The only problem is that Jesus says, you got to come empty-handed. If you want to follow me, I want your heart. I don't want the things you do. I want who you are. And my friends, that changes the whole ballgame for us. It changes everything. Turn with me, if you have a Bible, to the book of Matthew. I want to share with you some hard verses to swallow. Aren't you excited? You're like, oh, yes, he's going to share the hard ones tonight. That's awesome. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. You guys are, you, man, tough crowd, tough crowd. Where's that microphone? Is this thing on? Hello. Matthew 6, verse 24. Right out of the gate, Jesus says these words to us. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Just look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Don't you see how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, oh you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans or for the unbelievers, they run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Wow, that last one is good, isn't it? Each day has enough trouble of its own. This teaching that Jesus lays out for us is crazy. The first thing that we read is he says, you cannot serve both God and money. But if you and I are honest right here, right now, we know that in this society, money equals security, right? Just try to live without money in the bank and you feel very insecure. Money 
gives us a feeling of security. We feel taken care of if we have money. So when Jesus talks like this, I don't know about you, but I gotta pause and I gotta think about it and I've gotta pray about it and I've gotta say, Jesus, what exactly are you getting at here? There's gotta be something more to this. What do you mean I'm not supposed to worry? Really? I'm not supposed to worry. Does God want me to be lazy? Does God want me just to sit and do nothing and just sleep in and do nothing? Somebody has to worry about my life. You gonna take care of me if I don't take care of me? I mean, really, for us to read these words and to not question what the heck is going on would be naive, would be foolish. For, it, would be, it would be silly for us to skim over this type of black or white teaching and not say, God, help. You see, I really think that there's something deeper going on in this than what appears to be on the surface. There's something here that God is wanting us to know. And I think the clue is in the verse that we read that says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. You see, this question of what does first mean brings with it all kinds of connotation, all kinds of ideas. How many of you here have a to-do list in your life? Does anybody here write lists? Nobody here is a list person. When you need to do a bunch of things, you make a list, right? And then what do you, many of us do? We look at our list and we prioritize it. And we go, okay, this needs to be done first and then this needs to be done. And we look at our list as the steps to accomplishing much in our life. In other words, for me, my sanity rests on that piece of paper. And as I cross them off, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm accomplishing something. I'm getting somewhere. I'm making progress. You see, when we see this statement to seek first the kingdom of God, I don't know about you, but in my mind, I'm thinking of a list. And at the top of the list is God, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. And then under that, you know, I'll you know, do everything else that matters in my life, my family and my career and ministry and hobbies and all these things. But God, at the top of the list, I'm gonna seek you first. Makes sense, right? The only problem is it's not, it's not what it's talking about. You see, the kingdom of God, it can't fit on any of our lists. The kingdom of God is not on a prioritized chain of events in our life. As a matter of fact, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is a place. It's not something that we check off. The kingdom of God is a place to belong. So when we think in terms of lists and we say, okay, to seek first the kingdom of God, what does that really mean? You see, it says here that if we will seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, everything else will be given. Everything else will be added. This word righteousness 
on the surface appears to be right living or appears to be the right way to do things. But you know what it really means at its core? It really means, it literally means that God has rights to you. His righteousness means that God has rights to you and to me. God has rights to you. And so when you think in terms of what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God, we recognize that within that kingdom, he owns us. We belong to him. I was talking to a guy on the phone this last week and he called me up and he said, Jason, I'm struggling with some scripture. And he turned to a passage in in the book of Luke. And in this passage, Jesus is talking very much like this. And he's saying some really, really tough things. And in this teaching, Jesus literally says, if you wanna follow after me, you've gotta abandon everything else. You have to love me so much that you have to be willing to lay down even your family, your own rights, Everything about your life has to pale in comparison to what you gain when you gain me. And I was reminded when I was talking to him about this verse in 1 Corinthians. You can look there with me. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of of God. Why do you think that it's foolishness to think that there's a God that loves us and there's a God that wants to save us? That doesn't seem like foolishness to me. That seems like something that's a good thing. Like, wow, I can, I can embrace that. Why does the message of the cross come across so foolish to people? It's because at the central focus of the message of Jesus is that you have to deny yourself. You have to give up everything you've done your entire life to become. You gotta be willing to let it go. That's tough. That doesn't make any sense. I've done my whole th this thing my whole life. I've trained, I've gone to school, I've got a degree. I know what I'm supposed to do with my life. What do you mean that all of that has to go away in order for me to follow Christ? That's foolish. It's foolishness. And yet Jesus says, to seek first the kingdom of God and I have rights to you. Oh my Lord, how, how do we miss this? How do we jumble it up with such superficial, watered down thinking when it comes to God that we literally think, that somehow I can manage my life and I can follow Christ too. That I can somehow do what I want and live for me. And somehow I can have salvation at the same time. Jesus is teaching us so hard 
And that's what I love about it because I am such a failure. I don't stand a chance. I don't know about you guys, but I don't stand a chance. I could never, ever, ever make it. I could never, ever be good enough to experience this kind of salvation. And that is why I'm so grateful that Jesus paid it all. That he says, if you really want to know what it's all about, it's about the fact that you can't do it. But you remember, we think in terms of effort and reward. The harder I work, the greater my reward. So we naturally think if I want to know God, I got to work for it. Give me the steps to follow. Give me the lesson plan, Jason. What verses do you want me to memorize? I mean, come on, let's do this thing. Chop, chop. Jesus says, you got to lay it down. If you want to gain me, you got to lose you. And that means you've got to lose your striving. You've got to lose your work effort. You've got to work, lose all the things that you have counted on your whole life to get you where you're at. Lay it all down and come follow me. You know, I truly believe that as human beings, there's very little that we really require if we knew we had the right things that we got. We strive and chase and dream about all kinds of things that we think will make us happy in this life. If you're a single person, then you think it's a spouse. If you're a poor person, you think it's money. If you're somebody who wants to be a rock star, then you just want to be the next Justin Bieber. You just got to have something that you're chasing after in your life in order for you to think that you're on the right track of getting hold of whatever it is that you're trying to grab hold of. But my experience through life, and I don't know it all, but I've seen a few people, my experience tells me that most people really just want to know a couple things. And the main one, they just want to know where they fit in and they just want to know where they belong. They just want to know where do I belong? Like really, in this world, in this universe, in my life, where, where do I belong? Where do I fit? And so we look at everybody else and we chase after them. We look at this guy and he's successful, so I gotta be like him. And we look at this person and we think, oh, they are so happy, I gotta be like them. And we look at a you know, family and we, we chase and we chase and we chase. And we're really just saying, where do I belong? And my friends, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is a place for you to belong. And he says, don't worry about this life and all of the affairs. Don't worry about the clothes and the, and the money and the stress. He doesn't say be lazy. He's saying something else. He's saying, instead of you worrying about it, let me worry about it. Jesus is not advocating laziness. He's advocating surrender. He's saying, instead of you caring for your life and all the things that you're worried about, let me, let me. I will care for you more than you will ever care for yourself. Let me. 
And what he's saying at the core is, in my kingdom, you belong. In my kingdom, there's room for you. In my kingdom, I've made a place for you. Just come in and let me love you. In Isaiah 43, I want to read you a little bit of this. God, our Father in heaven, is speaking to us tonight through a prophet named Isaiah a long time ago. And it says, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, he who formed you, listen to his words, he says, do not be afraid. I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. He goes so on to say, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, I love you. God says to us, you are mine. You are mine. There's kind of a, I don't know, a heaviness when we talk about these things that hits us. Because sometimes we like to be all light and fluffy and Everything's just celebration and just party and high fives and woo-hoo-hoo. But sometimes the reality that I've spent my whole life chasing after something that isn't going to give me what I think it's going to give me sets in. And it's like a cold glass of water thrown in your face. Because we've been doing it our whole lives. I want you to close your eyes with me for a second. I want you to think about something. If it is true that God desires more than anything else for us to be connected with him and for us to live connected to him, abiding in him and to lay down our striving and to lay down our efforts then we have to come to the place to when we say the words I am not my own I am not my own I want you to say those words quietly to yourself I am not my own. Say it again. I am not my own. God, tonight, as we come to you, we recognize that, God, that we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to you.